Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me once again to the book of 2 Chronicles, the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles and chapter number 33. 2 Chronicles and chapter number 33. We're still marching forward in our series of the lineage of Jesus Christ, tracing through the lineage of Jesus Christ from Adam all the way to Jesus Christ, going through his kingly line. And as we've been traveling through this kingly line, we've actually been going through the king. And we've hit recently Hezekiah, the standard bearer of the kings to follow thereafter. We saw that because of his mistakes that he had raised a child by the name of Manasseh who became the longest reigning king of Judah, but also the most evilest king. In fact, what was mentioned in a different passage is that he actually made the streets of Jerusalem run red with blood. He was that evil and that wicked. However, we saw that God was not done with him and that he had preached to him, had given uh, different preachers to preach to him and give him his word. And then God did a work in his life to bring him to be a to be a prisoner of the Assyrian Empire where he was afflicted, he was tortured, but he called upon the Lord and he humbled himself. Well, he came back to Jerusalem and he picked up his reign and he tried to repair some of the damage he did. However, some of the damage that he did was too little, too late to repair. If you don't mind, we'll now pick it up in his son. His son's name is Ammon and let's see how his reign turns out. The book of 2 Chronicles chapter 33 and Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 21. 2 Chronicles 33, in verse number 21, the Bible says this. Ammon was two and twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh his father. For Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh his father had made and served him, and humbled not himself before the Lord, as Manasseh his father had humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more. And his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. But the people of the land slew all them that had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his stead. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find speaking about Ammon in verse number 23? 2 Chronicles chapter 33 and verse number 23. Notice how the Bible describes him. Humbled not himself before the Lord. Humbled not himself before the Lord. And with this, we want to do a study of Ammon's life and learn a lesson from it as we see the description given to him. Humbled not himself before 
the Lord. If you don't mind, let's continue to go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we continue to come to you, Lord, we're just asking that we need your help. We need your spirit to intervene, to work with us, to help us so we could see you high, holy, and lifted up. That we would have a desire to come to you, that we would teach, that we would be teachable and learn the lesson that you were attempting to give to us through the life of Ammon, that we would not follow the same mistake as he. Lord, I need you physically, mentally, spiritually. I need you now. Just fill me with your spirit and that you do a work for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. We see this phrase that about Ammon that he humbled not himself before the Lord. Well, Ammon watched as his father was carried away to Babylon. And he watched as his father came back humbled. Something was different about him. But instead of responding like his father did, he was determined to go further than what his father did. Notice at the end of 23, but Ammon trespassed more and more. He was going further and further. Why? What was the reason why he went so far away? Well, verse 23 tells us, and he humbled not himself before the Lord. He did not want to humble himself before God. Now, this was a big deal to not humble himself before God. As a result, he only reigned for two years. And in a short reign, not a lot was accomplished, not a lot was said. However, important message that we see here is the importance of humbling ourselves before God. We know that service to God is all about increasing and lifting up Christ. Service to Him is all about lifting Him up. Increasing Christ starts with decreasing the flesh. That's what we're dealing with with the idea of humbling ourselves is it's not about us. It's all about Him. The only way to get what God's work done, the work that Christ has given to us, is by humility. What is humility? Humility is who you are in the sight of the Lord. It's how we see ourselves in God's eyes. Do we see ourselves as great, wonderful? Or do we see ourselves that God is our creator and that we're sinners saved by grace and that without him we are nothing? With this, we want to also have an idea that humility, uh, humility is not humiliation. Humiliation is how we view ourselves. That if you view yourselves as as, well, I can't do anything for the Lord. I'm just worthless. Well, then that's humiliation. That's not humility. That's pride in an opposite direction. Humility is how we see ourselves before God the way that he sees us. So with this, let's go to the book of James, the New Testament book of James, and let's examine a passage that deals with this subject of humility. If you don't mind, the book of James chapter number four. Now I made reference to this the other day, but we're going to take some time to look at it a little bit more in depth to try to understand the importance of humility versus the idea of pride. Pride is a false view of oneself. Humility is the proper view of ourself looking through the at looking at us the way that God sees us. If you don't mind, notice with me in the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and let's look at verse number uh, starting at 6. We'll read these verses and then we'll kind of examine them. 
Uh, James chapter 4, starting at verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. When we look at this, let's look and see some of these things that we can learn about pride and humility from this passage. Notice with me in verse 6. It says that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. We've given this illustration before, that as we try to do things more our way, the more that God resists us and keeps us from going forward. And the more pride, the more force that we try to live, the more resistance we get. Humility is this opposite of pride. What is pride? Pride is struggling with supremacy of God. What does that mean? You got to choose who's in charge. Is God in charge? Or are you in charge? Do you do things God's way? Do you do things your way? Pride is trying to do it your way instead of submitting and doing what God wants us to do the way that God wants us to do it. It's battling who's in charge and whose way is going to win. We must recognize that humility is the best friend we have in the work of God. Why? Humility gets the attention of God. Notice again verse 6. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. That if you want to see things accomplished, you can't do it yourself. The more you try to do it yourself, the more you're going to find roadblocks. The more things are going to get in the way. But when you humble yourself down and say, I can't do it. Lord, I need your help. I want to do things your way, the way that you said to do so. God sees it and he gives us grace. He goes alongside. And we can see more things accomplished when we stop trying to do our way and let God do his way. We just submit to him. Pride, in fact, gets us the enemy of God because we get in the way of what God is trying to get accomplished. Humility gives us this supernatural, this, this supernatural powered push by God that God giveth grace to the humble. He helps us out. Notice in verse 7, submit yourselves therefore. Notice whenever you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Because of verse 6, because God resists the proud and giveth more grace to the humble, submit yourselves therefore to God. What does that mean? Because God said he's going to give us more grace if we do it his way, we submit, we surrender, we let God be in charge, we let God tell us what to do, we put ourselves under the authority of God and let him tell us what to do. Again, it's amazing to see how many things, even in God's work in the Christian life, are resisted because we try to do things our way. Instead of God's way. We try to do things in our own strength. Instead of God's strength. We try to do things in our own ideas. We try to do things because we want to. Instead of submitting to God. Verse number 8. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. This is a principle here. Of drawing close to God. And he will draw us even closer. The purpose here. The goal is always God. Not 
ourselves. It's always humbling ourselves. Verse number 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. May I tell you this? Humility is always a do-it-yourself project. God doesn't humble you. You humble yourself under the circumstances. Now, God can put pressure, but the choice is yours. You have to choose humility. May I say even this? Humility is your gift to God. Instead of fighting Him and surrendering, uh, trying to get your own way, you say, God, you are God. I trust you. Tell me what to do. And I will do it. You do it your way. You just get it done. I am trusting you. It is your worship of God that brings the humility. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of First Peter chapter 5. Notice this principle again. First Peter chapter number 5. First Peter chapter 5. And notice with me in verse 5. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in good time. Once again, we have this principle that God will give the exalting. God will do the work. Our responsibility is humility. To be clothed in humility. To put on humility. To give it to God as a gift. To say, Lord, I trust you. Now, I've given you theology right now. That's good. It sounds good to humble yourselves. It sounds good. Sure, sure. What does it mean? Well, I'm glad you asked that. How do I humble myself and conquer pride, which is a great question. Let's make it practical. Because it's one thing to say, yes, I'm humble. Let me give you the book of humbleness and how I've achieved it. You ever met someone like that? Or the sequel, the most 20 most humble men that I know and how I trained 19 of them. You could see this idea that there's a lot of different ideas about humility. And you could say, sure, I'm the most humble person there is. But let's define our terms. What does it mean? How do you humble yourself before God and conquer pride? If you don't mind, I'd like to give you just a practical list of what is necessary in order for us to humble yourself before God and conquer the pride that God resists so that way you can get the grace that you need to accomplish God's work. Let's give you this list. How do I humble myself? How do I humble myself and conquer pride? First of all, humility begins with your first thoughts every morning. Humility begins with your first thoughts every morning. What does this mean? Start your day by acknowledging how much you need God. Before you even throw the covers off. Before you even roll over to put your feet on the floor. Stop as you wake up and say, Lord, I need you. I need you today. If I just step out of this bed and try to do it my own self, I'm going to mess things up. Start from the very moment that you wake up. With the thoughts, your first thoughts should get in the habit of being, Lord, I need you. I need you. Help me. Help me. Bring your thoughts daily. First thoughts 
should be on him. What's the second thing? Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. All right. Does this mean that I'm crazy? What does this mean? Well, you know, you start telling yourself how great you are. I can do this. This is wonderful. How great I am. And actually talk to yourself and say, no, I need the Lord. Obey him. Follow after him. Start talking to yourself and telling that you need the Lord. And start, instead of stop listening yourself and listening to all the wonderful things that you think about yourself. Start thinking about. In fact, with that, stop talking to your, or stop listening to yourself about how horrible you are. We know that pride goes in two ways. Pride is a false view of oneself. You've got the good pride. Look at how great I am! And you've got the awful pride. I'm worthless. Everybody hates me. No one likes me. Both of those are pride. Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Meaning, tell yourself, listen to God. Obey Him. You need Him. Trust in Him. Stop listening to yourself. And then begin each phase of your day with gratitude. Begin each phase of your day with gratitude. You know you have different phases in, in your day. That you have the phase where you wake up. You have the phase where you go to work. You have the phase when you get off of work. You, got the fa- you have different phases throughout your day. Begin each phase with gratitude. Gratitude and pride cannot occupy the same space in your mouth. You can't say how thankful you are to God at the same time talking about how great you are. They don't work that way. Gratitude and pride can't occupy the same thing. Either you're recognizing how great God is or you're recognizing how great you are. In fact, here's a question for you. What does God have to do to impress you? What does God have to do to impress you before you start saying, Wow, God, you're a great God. How many more prayers does he have to answer? How much saved do you have to be? We know those are such things as saved, saved, or saved is. But what does God have to do to impress you? What does God have to do to get your attention? I mean, he's done enough, hasn't he? We should start learning to be thankful to him. A man is never as strong as he is when he is on his knees. That's the strongest anyone can ever be is when they're on their knees. For when I am weak, he is strong. When I'm at the place where it's not me, it's him. That's where we need to be. You want to truly find out how prideful you are? How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? If you could do your daily job without praying, there's something wrong. You're doing it in your own strength. If you could do a church service without saying, God, I need you to help me. Listen, you're doing it yourself. You're trying to knock doors, read your Bible, pray, put together anything. And you're not asking God to help you. You're trying to do it yourself. It's all about recognizing who God is. All right, let's get practical again. What's another thing? Open your Bible and read it. Open your Bible and read it. 
You cannot be humble if you're not in your Bible. Because this is our source of fuel. This is where we learn about God. This is where we get for what we need in our day. We have to have this. If you've been without your Bible, you are living your life yourself. You are full of pride. We have to be in our Bible. We read our Bible to state to God our dependence on Him. I need you, God. I'm reading the Bible because I need you today. I need to find something from you. I need you to guide me today. I need you. Remember, this is how God speaks to us. If you're not in your Bible, you're not listening. You're trying to do things yourself. We need God. All right, let's get more practical now. Practice giving in. Practice giving in. What does that mean? Give people the benefit of the doubt. Stop fighting against people. Stop trying to force your way or trying to prove that you're right. Allow them to be right. Give in. Give people the benefit of the doubt. It's amazing to hear how many arguments are two people saying the same thing in different words. But they're not listening to each other. They're just trying to get them to use the same words. But they actually agree on the same thing. But we're not listening. We're not giving in. We're, we feel some need, some obligation to make people believe that we're right. Practice giving in. Give up. What good is it to win the argument in the first place? Are you getting a prize? Do you get a trophy if you win more arguments than everybody else? Then what's the purpose? Other than making me feel like I'm the greatest. I showed him. Practice giving in. It is amazing how much grace that you can give to people. I was just talking with one of my kids the other day. When, as the Bible talks about, to take the wrong. When you said, I'm sorry, it must have been my mistake. What can we do to get this fixed? People are a lot less ready to fight. If you, uh, if you humble yourself first. It uh, must have been my mistake. What can we do to make this right? People aren't going to go on. See, it is your fault. That you just kind of submit. If you could forgive a humorous story. I knew a young man who had, um, was a freshman in Bible college. And he did some foolish, foolish things. And uh, a lot of foolish. I don't want to get into the stories. Because those are funny in themselves and distract. But he did a lot of foolish things. And so the pastor went to go find him. And said, what were you thinking? And the kids said, I'm so wrong. I messed up. I'm bad, bad, bad. And the pastor's like, okay, don't do it again. <laughs> I mean, what do you do when they're already, uh, it was my fault. It's wrong. I should have done it. I'm horrible. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to like throw a fit like that, but you know, it gets the point across. Let's, what does it matter if there's a mistake made? The most important thing is to get it fixed rather than cast the blame. Let's just get it fixed. That's part of being humility. By the way, your flesh hates that. How do I know? Because if you're made of the same stuff that I am, have you ever gotten a conversation with someone and then you replayed that conversation all day thinking about what you could have said to show them that they were right? I should have said this. They would have realized then. That's pride. You're trying to justify yourself. 
Well, we do that a lot in arguments. We do that a lot when we're dealing with folks. Practice giving in. Here's another practical thing. Reflect on the cross. Reflect on the cross. What's so big about the cross? It's a symbol of suffering and shame. It's a symbol that Jesus died for me. I deserve to be on the cross. I deserve to be tortured. I deserve to be bled. I deserve to die. And he did it for me and he didn't have to. It is very hard to say God is not good to me when you're looking at him dying on the cross. When you're looking at him who died for you and proved that he loved you. It is very hard to be arrogant and think that you are really great when you're looking at the one who died for you. Here's something else. This one's a big one. Give away your favorites. Give away your favorites. You ever notice how selfish we truly are? All right. Got a piece of, got a pizza. And the biggest piece, and I'm the first one there. Yeah, give away your favorites. Now, I know that's a small thing. What if you got two books? You're like, I don't care about books. All right, I do. And I got one that's a little bit bent up. Not bad. I got one that's pristine. Give away your favorites. Give away your favorites. Oh, now that may not strike you that much, but that does. Because I like taking care of me. I mean, I'm so, okay, you can yell at pastor or whatever else. I have a favorite foot. And my best sock goes on my favorite foot. And, and the little bit raggy sock goes on the other foot. Now you're laughing, but you can relate to such things. That, you know, we really like giving ourselves the best. Give away your favorites. Give away your favorites. Why? God gave his best for me. If we're going to be the example of him, give away your favorites. Give away your best. That really humbles you down if you're willing to give up your best instead of second best or what's left over to someone else. Give away your favorites. Give away your best. Here's another one. Here's one's a big one. Humility is recognizing we need others. Humility is recognizing we need others. There's something that gets programmed into our flesh that makes us feel like I'm strong if I don't need anybody's help. You are actually very, very weak. We need help. You can't survive without anybody else. You have to have others. By the way, when we say that you need other people's help, that also means people who will be honest with you. Hey, there's something wrong in your life. You need to fix this. There's something that needs to be adjusted here. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You need to have people who are willing to help you. Every one of us have areas where we can't do it ourselves. Let me give you, again, a cheap example. Forgive the personal illustration. Because of my health problems, my back problems, there are certain physical things that I cannot do anymore. I'm thankful that I have someone to yell at me if I try to climb a ladder. 
praise the Lord that someone looks out for me. I need to have someone to do that for me. And there's nothing wrong with allowing people to help me in areas that I cannot do myself. But we get this pride thing that says, I've got to do it myself. I can do this. There's nothing wrong with allowing others to help you. That's part of humility. That is part of displaying, I need other people other than myself. If you won't allow others to help you, you're not going to allow God to help you. Allow others to help you out. There's nothing wrong with it. And there's nothing ever in the Bible. There's nothing in a constitution, nothing in your worker's handbook that says you've got to do it all by yourself. Never ask for help. But yet we live our lives that way. I could do it myself. I don't need to have someone's help. You are actually very strong when you recognize what you can do and what you can't do. There's a lot of wisdom in that. And to work off your strengths. If you could forgive just trying to be a help. I watch pastors who feel like they've got to do everything themselves. That's not a requirement. Delegation is part of it. If there's someone who's better for you on computer work, organization, strengthening, uh, changing light bulbs, whatever else. Allow them to help you to do it. Sometimes it's wise to know what areas you're not good in. For example... I don't know anything about fixing this uh, uh, fireplace that's out. You know what? I'm going to call someone and say, can you help me? There's nothing wrong. It'd be foolish of me to try to climb in there and try to get it to work when I don't know what I'm doing, right? Or it's like taking someone who's never worked on a car engine before. Hey, can you go fix this before? I think it's the exhaust manifold. Sure. I don't know what it looks like, but let's try. You know, if they don't have any idea what they're doing, there's nothing wrong with asking help. Know what strengths you have. There are some people who are good at money management. Learn from them. There are some people who are good at organization, studying, whatever else. Learn from those or work with those who can do those things. There's nothing that says that you have to be the master of all trades. Learn what you're good at and learn where you need help at. And allow people to help you in those areas. And then here's another thing. Give yourself a cause that only God can do. Give yourself a cause that only God can do. You see, if you're trying to do something that only God can do, you're going to recognize very quickly, I need Jesus. I can't do this. Here's an example. Reaching the world. Is it what God's given us to do? Yep. Can we get it done? Nope. Can God do it? Yes. Lord, I'm going to step out and I'm going to be obedient to what you've given me to do. Knowing that I can't do it. You have to do it. When you get in those positions, you recognize that I need Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. Recognizing I need him for all of these areas. Now, again, what we're trying to do is trying to be a help. Because here was a king who humbled himself not before the Lord. And because of that, he had a short reign and there was consequences. We see the New Testament says that God resisteth the proud. Sometimes we wonder, how come I'm not getting further in my Christian life? How come I'm not getting further in the things I want to get accomplished? What's holding me back? Pride. Trying to do it yourself. 
trying to lift you up instead of lift Christ up. Trying to make yourself the biggest, baddest, best instead of allowing God to do his work using you as an instrument. The Bible says very clearly that we're supposed to humble ourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That God resisteth the proud but he giveth grace to the humble. Remember, humility is a do-it-yourself project, meaning that it is something you have to do yourself. We've seen plenty of people who get under great pressure and they say, nope, I can still handle it. But you look like you're going to collapse. No, I can handle it. I can do it. And they're struggling the whole time and they did not have to. Ever see someone trying to carry a heavy substance, a bucket, a box, or whatever else. I've got it all by myself. I've got it. Why not ask for help if they're available? Wouldn't it make the light, uh, the load lighter? Couldn't you get the job done easier? Couldn't you get it there faster? Couldn't you get more things done? We do the same thing in our own life. We try to carry the burden. I've got to do it myself. I've got it myself. I've got it. And all we do is waste time, waste energy, and fight against ourselves and hold ourselves back from where God was going to help us supernaturally and get us a lot further than we could ever do ourselves if we would just humble ourselves and recognize I need Him for every area of our life. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.